The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. I love the requisite uh, martini. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit simpler in my presentation, I feel like. Oh, that's nice. But almost the same. Is, is that a vodka and water? Is that what that is? It's actually a gin and water. Oh, see, I can't drink gin. It makes me ornery. Oh, no. <laughs> are you a vodka guy? Like, what are you drinking? Alan, I can't even see you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm here someplace. I just, I actually had a little bit of surgery this past week. So I have, I'm a little swollen and bruised around my neck. So uh, I don't know if you want to see me. Uh. I see you now. What happened to you? Oh, it's it's nothing. Just had some tissue removed. Uh, no, no big deal. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, he had fine. a facelift. Admit it. I did not. It was a facelift. I did not have a, on your neck. No judgment <laughs> no. here. Well, no judgment. hey, some ladies <laughs> like the waddle. Ooh. <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Van 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Technology is making cheating that much easier. But it's not the gear that's making us unfaithful. Cynthia Loist of The Social and FindYourPleasure.com on the old-fashioned reasons for high-tech infidelity. Rock stars who cheat, which isn't a big deal, certainly not news, and those who don't will kiss and tell because uh, they did too. Plus, how to win a Roku Premiere Plus for your relationship-saving evenings of Netflix and chill. You know what Netflix and chill means, right? I I do. I've uh, I've been married too long to actually do the second part. (laughs) And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. The thing about the martini, by the way, and I had read this somewhere, is there had been a study that had concluded that the beverage most associated with philanderers is the martini. I believe that. I, I, I do. Yeah. I believe it, too. I, you know, listen, I can, I can see that there's something sort of pseudo-suave about it. There's a kind of like Don Draper-esque quality, although I don't think that was his drink of choice. But I can sort of see that. If I, if I see a guy in a bar and he's drinking a martini, I don't necessarily trust him right away. Oh, great. Thanks for that. Listen, my partner drinks a martini as well. We did the <laughs> copious of them on, on the, our cruise that we just got back from. So It has to be the James Bond connection, too, mm. because he's the most famous mar- martini drinker in the history of the human race. And and he's not exactly the most faithful human being on the planet. And this is true. thus we come to the topic of this week's show. Cynthia Loist of FindYourPleasure.com and CTV's The Social joins us. Good to have you with us, by the way. Thank you for having me back. Well, of course. One of the most popular programs we ever had on this big show was the SexBot episode, and that was largely thanks to you. Oh, you're very kind. I think it's really due to that subject. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're we're, you're dealing with two married men here who've been married for quite some time. So I'm a little reluctant even to get into the topic of the technology of affairs, lest someone think I'm doing personal research. <laughs> I have actually asked the wife to leave the house while we talk <laughs> not, about not this. Not the room. Because the house. The house. 
because, again, I feel kind of creepy. I've been married 27 years, been with my wife for 30. I feel like you need an applause there, by Mm -hmm. the way. It's just a bit weird to be talking about this at this stage in our relationship, but it's something that so many people are engaging in, I guess. One of my favorite uh, quotes came from Bob Hope, and he was married like literally 69 years. And one year, well before it was the 69th, he was asked what the secret was to his marriage. And as you know, Bob Hope did all those USO tours. He was always performing. And so when he was asked what the secret was to his lifelong marriage, his answer was something like, well, I've only been home one weekend. (laughs) Right. Well, that would certainly keep the chemistry alive with your partner if you only see them like once a year, right? But according to uh, (laughs) the New York Post, um, he often cheated during his 69-year marriage, and he didn't have the advantage of today's technology. I mean, this is the thing. It has changed immensely. I mean, certainly affairs are nothing new, but technology has certainly changed the game. And I just, I feel like first before we get in, we dive into the whole idea of technology and affairs, I think that we should acknowledge that sex in and of itself or the interest in sex has long driven technology. Like I would argue that photography would not have evolved as quickly as it did were it not for people interested in seeing nudes and more of them. Certainly this is true in the case of the uh, transformation from film um, in movie theaters where uh, people who had interest in, let's say, more... um, stag film oriented or pornographic films, they got to a point in time where they were like, I don't really feel like going and hanging out with a group of guys in, you know, late night scenarios and, you know, having to uh, have other people see me coming and going potentially. That drove the market, the, v, the the home movie experience immensely. And we've seen this also in virtual reality and so on. So technology and sex kind of hold hands in terms of um, evolution when it comes to these things. I don't think the home video market with VH and beta would have exploded the way it did had it not been for this ability to enjoy some of these films in your in the privacy of your own home. Um, same thing with video online. It wasn't that long ago that we had real video. We were looking at uh, screens, video screens that were the size of a posted stamp, uh, you know, 12 frames per second. Um, very, very choppy, lots of buffering. But then the porn industry came along and invested into all kinds of technology. And now we have things like Pornhub and, and RedTube and all the rest of it, which are absolutely you know, seamless, I've, I'm told, when it comes to delivering delivering video online. Well, there would be people as well who would easily argue that just pornography in and to itself constitutes infidelity. And I suppose that brings us back to the fact that this isn't uh, that t- as much as technology may help drive um the means by which one can cheat. At the same time, technology is only the enabler. It's the mindset that plays the biggest role. Back in the day, if a married or committed person wanted to have an affair, uh, they had to go through certain steps that made it a little bit more challenging. You had to like pick up a phone do, 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 and call and run the risk of that person's spouse or child answering said phone. Or they would have to do like a drive-by or maybe even in a horse and carriage and show up to that home. There was a lot bigger risk. Nowadays, that same couple who is engaging in this illicit behavior can actually do so while still in the presence of their spouse and even with their children sitting right at the same table 
table because of the smartphone. And whether or not they're doing that because they're on AshleyMadison.com, which again is a website designed specifically for people to get together well knowing that their partners are also engaged, the people that they're talking to are engaged in serious relationships, or if it's through a Facebook connection that, uh, you know, might have been with a high school sweetheart that is being resurrected. There's so many avenues that people can connect privately, or at least seemingly privately. And I think that in and of itself has really changed the game when it comes to infidelity. Did I ever tell you my story about me and Grinder? No, <laughs> you've got a grinder story. I have a grinder story. So a few years back, I was uh, doing the world's first weekly TV show about apps called App Central. And we had a segment where not only do we review apps and review gadgets, but we had a hot topic discussion segment where we threw around uh, a variety of different issues. And, and this came up the topic of grinder and um, Tinder, uh, the straight version of that, I suppose you could argue. And yeah. uh, so to be able to to effectively discuss this topic, I felt it was a wise thing to download both the Tinder and the Grinder apps. And so I did so. And as soon as I hit the Tinder app, it told me, you have to log in with your Facebook account. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going any further. And then it says for the Grinder, create an account and you can just do so whatever. Uh, and I, at that point, has had a sober second thought about doing anything uh, with either of them where I actually had an account. So I, I, I'm not creating an account on that one either. Fast forward a month after we had recorded that episode of the show. And you may know that if you've got a smartphone, like an iPhone, and you download an app, often any other account that you've got running on any other device will automatically download it too. Mm -hmm. So wifey's using the iPad. Oh, no. In bed about a month later. And I walk in and she's got this look on her face. And I say, what? She says, "Um, why is there Tinder on the iPad app? I said, oh, oh, if you flip to the next screen, you'll see the grinders on there, too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that apparently wasn't the right answer. <laughs> see, uh, when, when I was working uh, as a program director for a radio station, uh, Ashley Madison came and bought some time. And so we, the checks cashed. We ran the commercials. But the amount of blowback that we got from the audience was such that we had to pull the ads and refund the money because people thought it was such an immoral thing. Mm. But now if you drive westbound on the Gardner, uh, there's a big electronic billboard uh, just as you transition from the Gardner to the QEW that has Ashley Madison um, in, in, you know, 16 colors up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there is a certain amount of acceptance that's coming along with with these apps, these websites, and the notions behind them. It kind of reminds me of, you know, back in the 90s when we were really seriously debating whether or not we should run condom ads on the radio because Mm. that, you know, had to do with sex. So as time goes on, we become more accepting of these technological things that facilitate things that previous generations and other people of this generation find immoral. The bottom line is that monogamy is a choice. I don't believe, and most people, I think, who are honest with themselves don't believe that monogamy is the most natural state of beings. We are, as humans, like our most uh, closely related uh, primate ancestors, the, the bonobos, the, the apes, who have sex with anything and everything. They don't have a sort of like uh, moral compass attached to it. We as humans, we make choices about who we want to become emotionally or physically uh, monogamous with, or or we don't. And I think the thing is, what, where there's been this disconnect connect over the years is that people 
have sort of had these ideas about what it means to be married, for example. And there's this kind of happily ever after dot, dot, dot. And nobody really talks about the dot, dot, dot. We don't talk about it in sex education. We don't talk about it amongst ourselves. We certainly don't talk about it with our partners, about what it means to have a really amazing, long-lasting sex life with somebody. And for some people, that might also mean not a lot of sex. But the thing is, is that we evolve and change throughout the lifespan. And to just put our heads in the sand and say, if you ever cheat on me, then I will leave you, period. That's the end of this conversation. If that's the kind of framework through which you are discussing this issue with your partner, I think it closes a lot of doors. And I think what the great thing is about technology is that there's the potential to open up doors of further conversations to define what it is are your boundaries around infidelity. Because let's face it, this has opened up. What is, it, what is infidelity anymore? It's no longer just one thing. Well, I suspect I, anyone um, listening would agree that the definition of infidelity is tied to what the partner is expecting out of you. And if there's the mismatch between expectations and actuality, that's where you, you have problems. If your partner doesn't have a problem with you kissing someone else, that's not infidelity. But if your partner has a problem with that, that is infidelity. How many people drill down to those details, though? Because like, a lot of people would say, okay, um, for me, I know that if you kiss somebody else at a party, that that's cheating for me. But does anyone ever say, does masturbation uh, to internet porn count? Absolutely. You don't think that there's an entire segment of the population that believes pornography alone is um, a cause to claim infidelity? I do. And I think that that's sad. I think that it's sad that also people don't have those conversations before they get into serious relationships. Right, right. The thing is, is, is back to the technological component to all of this, I somehow doubt that if you looked at the statistics around cheating, you know, pre-smartphone era, post-smartphone era, that the figures would move dramatically. We're simply using the technology as a tool to accomplish whatever our goal is. Accurate statistics around infidelity are notoriously hard to pin down because um, there's there's a kind of general idea that goes around there that for long-standing monogamous long-standing couples, about thirty to forty percent of them will at some point in time be touched by or they may experience and like ha have infidelity. But what does that mean exactly? Does that mean that you kiss somebody? Does that mean you had sex with somebody? Does that mean you uh, encountered a webcam uh, girl? Does that mean that it was flirting online with an old high school sweetheart? These are the things that we don't know the answer to. I would say there may be an increase. If I were to guess anecdotally, I think women are more often. Um, coming forward, whether they've always been sort of dabbling in cheating, we didn't talk about it before. And I would say in my experience, um, more and more women are realizing that they don't have to be in, in long standing marriages where they are sexually dissatisfied. Um, they feel more empowered. They have um, perhaps better jobs. They feel more um, financially stable. So I think where you find those things together and you find some power, you will find more cheating. If you also look at popular culture, you'll see that it has been normalized. Uh, a lot of people watching TV will see everybody having an affair. I mean, if we look into American politics, we'll see guys like like Bill Clinton, for example. If the president of the United States can be this notorious horn dog, well, then why can't everybody else? Uh, there's also the issue of loneliness, uh, especially among the generation who have always had smartphones. They've never been disconnected. They've always um, used technology 
to engage with 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 everyone. So there is a certain acceptance. Of course, I use Tinder. Of course, I use Grindr because that's how I communicate. This is the status quo. This is normal for me and my generation. But I can imagine that the moment that person finds someone on Tinder and the two of them are in a monogamous relationship, that the rules change completely. Here's what I'll say. I think that people have many minds about the quintessential cheater. Like they think of this idea, probably from technology, they've heard about the stories, they grew up with Bill Clinton, they see online all the time, you know, what the Kardashians are doing, what kinds of affairs are happening all over the place. And there's this idea of this kind of particularly male, narcissistic guy who has no boundaries, who will never commit to a woman. This is the stereotype that's out there. And he he's constantly on Tinder and he's constantly looking for the next thing. He might be on Ashley Madison. He's not to be trusted. But then there's what in in reality, I feel like there's more and more of a person who's evolving, who I feel like I'm getting access to, which, Alan, you tapped on this, um, is a, a, l- a lonely person, a person who is not is is maybe very happy in their marriage, is uh, is disconnected from maybe their friends, maybe they're dissatisfied with their job and they maybe innocently also they connect with somebody on Facebook they used to know a while ago, or they start chatting with somebody they see on their Twitter timeline who happens to share similar interests in them. And they start talking, and then it becomes a little bit more flirtatious. And before they know it, they're into something that they maybe weren't looking for, didn't expect. And I think that we don't have enough conversations around that person who maybe sort of you know, falls into something. Again, there are many steps before an affair. And I'm not trying to excuse that, that 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 is not problematic for people who are in a committed relationship. But I think we can't paint all affairs with the same brush. You know, and the other thing, too, is that we're looking at this through very Western eyes, very Judeo-Christian eyes. If you go to other places around the planet, uh, where marriages are, you know, political unions or unions of uh, of two families or, or or whatever it is, where the relationship between the man and the wife is one of producing offspring, mm-hmm. and there are many cultures like that, and the man, it's almost exclusively the man, is free to go out and find somebody who will deliver the sexual services that he requires that he would never ask for from his wife. A hundred percent. Women can still be killed for that, by the way, in, yes. I think, eight countries in the world, by the way. Yes. Men, not a chance, no. Interestingly, though, this brings us full circle back to the idea of romantic love and that, uh, from my understanding, romantic love is actually quite a new concept, uh, whether it's the late 19th century or the early 20th century. Prior to these centuries, humanity used marriage as a means of something beyond just meeting that sexual and intimate need that we have. I mean, for sure, I think... In many parts of the world, as Alan was pointing to, that marriage is still continues to be more of a of a business decision or more of a practical or a familial decision. But here in the West, where we have been sold this idea about um, romantic love, and it's really become a multi-million dollar industry. Talk about technology again. You think about the way the wedding industry has evolved. And I mean, it's you you turn on the TV. <laughs> or are, devolved. Or devolved. Right? <laughs> but, the, but people are, are spending so much money. Um, and you see this. There's like, I would say, Instagram 
porn, I would say, wedding porn, about how to make the best sort of, uh, you know, wedding day. People are so focused on finding the love of their life, connecting with them, having this big bombastic day where they are the celebrity. And this is all, I think, propelled in part by technology. And nobody talks about what does it look like than the day after that? What does the marriage look like? And I think that I do think that the next generation coming up, because they have, um, been connecting with each other and they, their, their sense of intimacy is different. And maybe because they were raised with divorced parents, um, they have a little bit more of a, of a realistic perspective going in to what marriage looks like, um, that they may be starting these ideas a little bit sooner than us. But let me throw this at you. The 1960s were the era of free love, the introduction of the birth control pill, and all kinds of hookups. But those teenagers and people in their young 20s, those baby boomers grew into very conservative parents. And they settled down. A lot of them did. The majority of them, I like to think think so, did into stable monogamous monogamous um, um, relationships. We saw the same thing happen to with with Generation X. Again, they rebelled against their parents. There was a lot of, you know, sleeping around. And then they grew up and they got into the monogamy and raised kids and did things the normal way. Are we going to see that with the generation that's become raised on technology? I don't know if I agree with everything you just said, Alan, to be honest. I don't think that there was, it's as peachy keen as, as what you just painted there. I think that there was a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors. I think what you saw also was a lot of people choosing to have affairs and then leaving their marriages. So there would be divorces instead of, you know, happily ever after till death do us part. And I, I think what we're going to see now is um, Dan Savage is a really popular advice columnist in uh, based out of Seattle, Washington. And he talks a lot about what he defines as monogamish which is that couples who are coming up who are having at least conversations about the idea of like, okay, so if we're going to be in this for 40, 50, 60 years, what happens if we're, we travel a lot with our work? Is there, uh, is it possible that we may have um, a lover in a different city that we can only see when we're in that city? Or is it only within, um, you know, uh, uh, like, outside of our friend district? Or is it only if we're still in the room together? Is it only if we're actually participating in a group sex scenario? Because then it's like they are defining for themselves what might work um, within the context of their relationship. It's expanding monogamy, basically. And this is not going to work for everyone. I'm not saying that I think monogamy is realistic for some couples. But I think that what is happening is the technology has allowed people to have conversations that they didn't have before and is making them think about things differently and being more realistic as opposed to people paying lip service to being all fidelitous all the time. And meanwhile, they're doing their own thing on the side and not being honest with themselves. I think that was happening far too often for a long time. If there is one area in which I can imagine technology plays a role in increasing cheating, it is pornography. We were talking to Pornhub a couple of weeks back. We didn't get a chance to go down this rabbit hole. But the idea that is sex driving pornography or is pornography driving sex? If I find myself on Pornhub.com with a list of the trending topics, certain things today were not popular 20 years ago and are now. And then when you see a lot of that adult content and you bring it into the bedroom and ask of your spouse, I want this, and your spouse says no, there's a side of you that may think, well, wait a minute, everyone else is doing it. Clearly, it's in porn, and it's the top trending topic. <laughs> 
I do. I think that porn is driving sex in some ways, and I do find that a little unnerving. I mean, we saw, we've seen this in trends, even in body hair over the years. I would argue that seeing the the kind of clear cutting of the bush on women has been a direct correlation from what we've seen in porn. Um, and I think that certain sex habits, we know that in my mother's generation, for example, she wasn't, I don't think a lot of women were uh, performing oral sex on their partners as frequently. Oh, 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 I'm, oh, sorry, oh, I'm just, oh, Is that, oh, is that oh, off oh. limits? Can we not say this stuff? Oh, <laughs> no. no, no, no. You know what? It's it's totally cool. It's just oh, Alan. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. sorry. Did just, they give you an image, Alan? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, it's that's true. A, you, can ro- you can rock me to sleep tonight. <laughs> That was not a thing that was happening. But I think nowadays that's part of like the buffet of sex, right? And I, but there's, it's changes at every generation. I do think porn influences that. I mean, is this, is this always a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing if, if you, if you can't separate fantasy from reality, like I think also if I think it's one thing to be in a partnership and be like, okay, I saw this thing and I'd like to try, Oh, I read 50 shades of gray. Let's try to tie each other up. But if your partner's not into it, it is kind of a a brick wall. So then that's when the onus is on you to be like, how good is your imagination? What can what else can you do to get there? So for example, let's say you really want to do a threesome. I, and now I'm getting into, I'm just going off now, you guys. Are you ready for this? Brace yourself, Alan. It's okay. <laughs> I can handle this one. But let's say your partner is like, no, no way. I am not inviting another partner into this. Well, that's when, why can't you invite a sex toy in to make it seem like there's a third party? There's a third appendage in the room. Um, and I, I mean, there are, there are toys for both feminine parts and male parts that you can make it seem like there's an extra person without running the risk of breaking your monogamous relationship, let's say. Um, so I think that people need to get a bit more creative. I hate to think that porn is porn. I mean, I've been on porn sets. I've, I've met a lot of porn stars over the years through the documentary that I used to produce for. So as much as I don't have anything against porn in particular, I really think people definitely need to tap into their creative side uh, and not look to porn as their sole inspiration. The only thing I have left to say is I have Snapchat on my phone, even though the company is no longer supposed to be about sending dick pics to people (laughs) that disappear. It's supposed to be a news app now. And I am so incredibly nervous about wifey finding out I have something like Snapchat on my phone. I totally agree. I would like to try Tinder just to see how it works, (laughs) but there is no way in hell that I'm going to download it. Yeah, I I said Snapchat, you said Tinder. Yes. Cynthia Lois from CTV's The Social and FindYourPleasure.com. Cynthia, thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. talk about musicians and cheating but that would be like shooting fish in a barrel because just about (laughs) all musicians cheat 
even though they may seem to have the greatest relationships ever. And the one that really sticks out with me is Gavin Rossdale, ex of Bush, or still with Bush, and Gwen Stefani. I mean, they had this unbelievable rock star, pop star relationship. He was in a famous band that had sold millions of records and was on the route to doing, you know, all kinds of other things within the TV industry. Uh, she was actually richer than him with uh, no doubt her solo career, her fashion line, her makeup, all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, both of them insanely pretty. And he goes, and I think it was with the babysitter. Yeah, I'm looking at this now. The uh, son in the UK went all over this. Mindy Mann was the, uh, the nanny at the center of the divorce. So how, honestly, I mean, I've met both of them and they are extraordinarily attractive. Gwen Stefani is one of the most perfectly sculpted women I have ever seen in my life. Dude, what's what were you thinking? Here, here's I've got a theory. You know what my theory is? Because the nanny ties perfectly into the Arnold Schwarzenegger affair as well. And uh, I know a lot of people in television world end up having affairs with their makeup artists. I think it is one person um, finds themselves attracted to someone who is in a position of support and and you know almost like a, a mother figure. You know, taking care of the kids, taking care of your life, taking care of your makeup. It all comes full circle back to every little boy just wants his mommy. Well, that could be or. Here's another argument. You can't have filet mignon every night. <laughs> oh, okay. Sometimes you you just want to have a, a greasy, dirty, slutty, awful... Is, is this why you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken once a year to remind yourself why you don't go to Kentucky Fried Chicken? Kentucky Fried Chicken is the perfect example because when you go past a store and you smell it, you go, oh my God, that's the greatest smell of all time. And you go in and you get yourself a nice thigh. That's my favorite cut. And it's sitting there in front of you and it smells delicious and you know you're going to get a mouthful of skin when you bite into it and you finally do. And then you take another bite and then by the third bite it's like, yeah, I... I, I. You're still talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? I am. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> On the flip side, one of my favorite musicians of all time has that perfect love story kind of romance. It's Robert Smith of The Cure. got married to his high school sweetheart, Mary Poole, in 1988, and they've been together ever since. Mary was the one who inspired Love Song that became the, the big breakout track from Disintegration, inarguably the most successful of the Cure albums. Uh, they met when uh, Smith was just 14 at uh, St. Wilfred's Comprehensive School in uh, Crawley, England. Uh, he wanted her to be his partner in a drama class project, and he screwed up the courage to make that happen. Uh, in 19, uh, sorry, 2004, he told The Guardian that uh, he uh, struck lucky early on, and 
um, when he was interviewed by Lime Lizard in 1991, it was her lack of confidence in his future as a musician musician that made him create The Cure, which we know back in, in the, the, the early days was called The Easy Cure. And it he wanted to wait until he had known her for longer than he had not known her to marry her. And so 15 years after they met, he, Love Song was his wedding present for them. They exchanged vows in 1988. And uh, in 2004, he said, I love her. I adore her. She's my Cindy Crawford. I could only imagine, though, some of the lyrics to some of his tracks would make me as a spouse question all of that. You don't hear anything about them. You don't ever, th- ever hear anything about her. It's all been, uh, from what we understand, to be a very quiet, very successful, very loving relationship. And there's, they're not. A, it's not unusual. Uh, Bono and Ali Hewson. They've been married since 1992. David Bowie, who had flings with both sexes over the years, has been was married to Amon in 1990, 1992. Did I say Bono in 82 or 92? I'm in 82. 92, yes. Uh, Keith Richards and Patty Hansen. I mean, Keith Richards. Come on. He's been married to the same woman since <laughs> ni- 1983. Well, maybe it's because she's the one who provides him with the blood transfusions. Or, yeah, and the urine samples and all those things that he needs for work reasons. Uh, Ringo Starr and Barbara Bach, 1981. Um, we could okay. Michael Anthony and Sue Anthony. Michael Anthony was the bass player in Van Halen all those years, and they were one of the hardest partying bands ever. And the other three guys, David Lee Roth, Eddie Van Halen, and Alex Van Halen, they were out on a on, on a sexual mission every minute of every day that they were on tour. But all the stories <laughs> I hear about Michael Anthony was no, no, no. I've got my my girlfriend Sue back at home, and I'm going to behave myself. So he was the one that really stood out from the crowd. He you know kind of looked like Fred Flintstone hanging around with his bass in the corner all the time. But he he was. Ex- uh, very, very faithful. Um, Sherry, uh, Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne have been married since 1980, but as we've seen in recent weeks, uh, Sharon has come out and said that Ozzy has cheated on her a total of six times. And uh, who else do I have? Oh, Angus Young and Ellen Young. Uh, Angus Young Ooh. from ACDC. 1981. Oh. I had no idea. You would think that the hard rockers would have been the ones definitely on the other side of that ledger. Ab, ab, absolutely. But the champion, as far as I can tell, and this shocks me uh, because this guy came out of the debauched 1970s and he was one of the hardest touring acts of that era, but is still married to the same woman. Alice Cooper married Cheryl, his wife Cheryl, in 1976. They're still together. Time now for a Geeks and Beats updates. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We have a new co producer. A dog? No. Although I have a funny feeling if we keep pushing the idea that Taco the Chihuahua was once a co-producer on the big show that maybe others might start making their pets too. But Ryan Phillips did not. He is a, uh, a I was going to say monoped, but that doesn't make any sense. He's not a quadruped like a dog. What would he have, a bipedal? Uh, bi- bipedal, yeah. Right. So uh, he took his bipedal feet to the bank to us to the tune of 25 bucks, which means he gets his name on the album art, and we send it off to him so he can print it off, frame it, and hang it in his mother's basement. But uh, you don't have to be uh, just 
just a, a $25 supporter of the big show. You can also be a member of the world's worst intern program. Jason DiFilippo, he is now a member of the world's worst intern program. He opened his wallet up by a dollar per episode with a zero lifetime limit. That's very nice. You know, I think there is a, a gimmick to be had here that we should explore with with dogs, pets, animals, um, non-human supporters. I, I think we could actually turn that into something. Okay, so here's the deal. If, if you want to support the big show and make your pet a co-producer, send us a photo of the pet as well, and we'll put it on the album art. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant <laughs> idea. Let's do it that way. By the way, uh, previous week's episode, Smart Ass Home, we were talking about um, how while you may be interested in Google Home to act as the voice interactive component to your smart home technology, I'm waiting for Apple and uh, the HomePod that is expected to come out any moment now. Craig Glassford wrote in via our Patreon account to saying, I love Hugh and Nest and I just wish Nest worked with Apple HomeKit. Yeah, that would be really, really nice. Yeah, well, you know, it may still come. From what I understand, the big reason why so much of this technology does not work with HomeKit is because part of Apple's deal is that they insist on being the exclusive technology. So if you're already functional with different smart home technologies, Apple doesn't want to hear about you and they want to prove you for the HomeKit technology. But uh, we uh, will be giving away a Google Home October 4th. And the only way you can win one is by being a member of the world's worst intern program. Go to geeksandbeats.com and uh, click support the show sign up via patreon for every dollar per episode you support us that's essentially a raffle in uh, the big uh, bin for us to give away to you and before that september 20th we're giving away one of those roku premiere pluses Oh, right. Yeah, 4K video for watching your Netflix. It also supports an app called Plex. Are you familiar with this? Mm, uh, yeah, I have it on my phone, I think. Right. So if you've got one of those um, network-attached storage devices, an NAS, chances are it supports Plex. So you can have your own home cloud with everything on it, and you can stream your content to your TV that way. It's got the 802.11 AC wireless, and the most important point is a point anywhere remote, so you don't have to worry about making sure you get it on the little clicky clicky eyeball oh very cool okay and when are we going to give away the uh, the google home october 4th right okay where good. were so you when i said up. october the, the 4th the box is safely in my office uh, downstairs excellent that's the second one the first one you opened and you've got it up and running you're still loving it um my wife is still having a lot of trouble with it uh she has come up with some very colorful language for for google home and uh it, it's interesting <laughs> because every once in a while she says uh, not, not me google home says i don't understand what you're trying to tell me and that just infuriates her even more and she'll turn to me and she, i get the standard response it hates me well it's a good thing she didn't listen to last week's episode or otherwise you know she might hate you too yeah it's like she's gonna listen to this podcast forget it <laughs> she wouldn't know how unless unless you asked google <laughs> yeah because you would try <laughs> that's exactly it i don't have to worry about a thing catch all new episodes of geeks and beats wednesdays on itunes and watch for geeks and beats magazine on a newsstand near you to be part of next week's show call area code 323-319-NERD follow the stories on twitter facebook and Get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. I mean, Jason, sorry, guys, Jason's doing some crazy <laughs> stuff right now. Unlike you guys, my partner is right in the room right now having this discussion and he's doing some nerdy adjustments. So I'm extremely distracted. Are you, how are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry about that. You guys. Okay? <laughs> um, 
I would say, can I just move it this way a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Thumbs up. He, 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 he was he was just jealous because he saw that I had a uh, <laughs> a, a spit catcher as well. <laughs> he might have seen that. He, Michael's calling this his spit catcher, and he he felt <laughs> it's a windscreen <laughs> spit catcher. <laughs> okay. Here, I'll jump right back in. I I'll say that. But nowadays with, you know, the advent of texting, um, social media accounts, um, uh, of course, online things like, uh, uh, you're distracting me still. What are you doing? Yeah, please go away. God, I can't work under these conditions. I'll be in my trailer. (laughs) The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.